Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's been another Premier League coach and casualty. Manchester City keep their end of the title race. Bargain chasing Liverpool. Plus we've got Spygate, Ashley in, and so much more with one heck of a panel to talk through it. Welcome to another Episode of the Gagan Pod, off the sport editor David Wiener, back with you. Michael Bridges, you're in rude podcast health, back for a hat-trick of appearances. Welcome. Loving it, Dave, and long may it continue. Perhaps. Thanks. <laughs> if Obviously now, if, not. If, the, if the, after that intro music, if the Gagan Pod had one man in mind, when the brains behind it were putting it together, we've got him here at Optus HQ today, Didi Harman. Welcome. Thank you, David. If um, Bridgie made it into round three... I'm very confident. Um, <laughs> I'll be back at some stage. <laughs> well, now, Kazanaki, one of our Twitter followers, has asked this week, have we done a Bielsa and gone and checked up on our podcasting po- competition to see what the others are doing? Well, we've got one better this week. We've actually pulled him off the training pitch and actually brought him here to Optus HQ. Max Rushton, a very big welcome to you to Optus Sport. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's very nice that I don't have to think of any questions to ask on this pod. I'm just going to sit here and just watch someone else do it. I wasn't going to ask any other questions after that, so now we're in a big trouble. I'm only doing this so I can put my holiday, entire holiday on, on business expenses. Oh, so. you took my next question, which is what on earth are you doing here? So that's good to know. You're really honest up front. Hey, our Twitter followers have been prolific this week, Bridgie. Mm-hmm. Really the tough questions. I'm not asking any of them this week. Um, Alan Feeney wanted to know what you've had for breakfast, which probably explains why you've made it to three appearances on the trot. To be fair, I didn't have anything on the car journey coming here from Newcastle to Sydney because I knew we were going to get these fantastic ham and cheese croissants and the muffins. So there you go. That's we really exactly look what after I've had. you. We really look after you. And Diddy, you've been travelling a fair bit since we last saw you in Australia for the Nations League. Um, what have your football movements been um, since what late last year? Uh, yeah, back to uh, back to Germany, covering a few games uh, there. Uh, didn't see many games live. What I did see was uh, the Aussies. Be the Indians on Saturday, the SCG. Big cricket fan. When did that all start for you? It actually started when I uh, when I came to England. I came to England late nineties, and then uh, we trained Chesterley Street uh, with Newcastle United. We trained next to the um, cricket ground, um, and I started to develop a, a liking for the game and had the chance to go into the nets with uh, one or two ex pros, and um, yeah, just enjoy the game, love the game, and. Uh, do you prefer it, cricket or football? Well, if if I, if I had grown up, I, I didn't even know the game was played till I came to England. I've got to say, um, if I grew up in England, the thing I like about cricket is that you play on your own in a team, because when you play football, you've got eleven players next to you who can dig you out. Uh, I don't want to say you have to get on with them, <laughs> and I didn't always did get on with them. Okay. Um, but to be out there in the middle on your own, responsible for your own, looking for your own thing, um, it fascinates me. And I think Se- that he's a selfish I th- man. I think, that's, like, si- no, I think no. that's what he's saying there, Max. <laughs> no, but, but the psyche. I think because when you, once you're out in the middle, 
There's nobody else to help you out. Yeah. On a football pitch, Richie will know if he makes a mistake, people will dig him out. So in a, di- in a different... <laughs> he knows that. Does he, he knows me very well. In yeah. a different world, you know, the middle order, England's middle order, you know, would have been Peterson Haman just out in the middle. That would have been a beautiful thing. Slogging. Mm. Lovely. Well, Matt, the master's circle, we'll have to get you out on it with the, with the German eleven when that ever gets I play, put I together. I've played a couple of games, but um, no. And that he plays football now like cricket, very slow and relaxed. Yeah. I played <laughs> the last time, not the last time I played, the last charity game I played was in Wales with Diddy Haman. And uh, his heat map was just a dot, <laughs> right? And football there was. This was football, do you remember? <laughs> and uh, the halftime whistle went and we all sort of trudged. It was absolutely pelting, right? And there was puddles all over the pitch. We got back to the showers. And it, it, it is one of, one image of my whole footballing career is just coming back to the showers and there was just Diddy Haman naked in the shower with a cigarette. Just there he is, just scars. <laughs> like, that is a great, that's how to play football, isn't it? <laughs> And the yeah, heat map, hero, look at him. And the heat map was as prolific there as it was on the pitch by the sound of it as well. <laughs> Back to football, guys, because it is we're recording on a Tuesday morning this week to get our, our amazing guests into the studio, and it's off the back of Manchester City doing what they have to do: three 0 against Wolves to chase Liverpool in that title race. Diddy, your impressions of City in that attempt to claw back Liverpool so far? It was pretty routine this morning. Yeah, it was routine, uh, and and Wolves, I think they held them. Um, City to a draw at home, so uh, yep. it was a good result and uh, it wasn't a foregone conclusion they're going to beat them. Um, I think City showed their title credentials when they beat Liverpool uh, a couple of weeks back because if they hadn't beat them there um, or even if they lost the game, we could have been talking eight, nine, ten points now, which is an awful lot the way Liverpool are going. Um, again, they kept up with the pace with Liverpool. Um, it's only four points, they still play them uh, in the second half of the season, so... Um, it only takes one slip-up, really, for them to have a chance to have it back in their own hands. Um, it'll go down to the wire. That was the key, wasn't it? The key was for City to beat Liverpool in that game, which was a brilliant game of football. And I think I think there are just going to be a lot of games like this. And we've seen, in fact, before City lost to, to Palace, we were like, look, City are just going to turn up and roll over these teams. And that's generally what they do. And actually do it in a more convincing way than Liverpool have a lot of this season. But if Liverpool keep going... I'm interested to know, Diddy, lots of people back home basically say they they just can't have Liverpool winning the league because it will be unbearable for everyone else. And I, I tend to believe it will be, but I kind of feel Liverpool fans probably deserve it because it's been a while. Yeah, well, the, the way they've been going in the last two or three years, I think at some stage it may happen, it will happen, but the it's a completely different ballgame now. The last 14 or the last 10 games, every game will be a final because the the mindset will be different, the, the psychological... Uh, issues will be there because now I think everybody in the in the country's got a feeling that it's Liverpool's to lose, and once you are in the driving seat and you think it's yours to lose, the pressure is more is is on even more. And they've been to uh, three finals on the club; they lost them all, where they probably should have won at least two, maybe all three of them. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll it'll go down to the wire. It's a it's a different mindset, and don't underestimate uh, because the last ten games, it doesn't matter who you play. You could go to Huddersfield, you could go to to Cardiff. The last ten games, each and every one will be a final, uh, and then we see whether they've got the making of a champion. I think you've just touched on it there, Diddy. You mentioned it. City have won it before. A lot of the players have been there and done it. Manchester United had this mm. mindset for years, mm. and I still feel there is something attached to Liverpool and the history and what's gone on in the past. They don't know how to get over that finish line at this moment in time. So it's it's wide open again. And it was this morning was an interesting game against Wolves. That 
I think the 10 men, the reduction, was it uh, Willie Bolly, the Wally, hmm. got sent off <laughs> with a red card? It, I think that opened, that closed the game down. I've never seen Wolves defend like that this season. They're an expansive team. And I think if it had been 11 against 11 early on, I really felt that City were hurting them a lot more. Uh, to that moment but the form that they have proven at this moment in time with City I think they are going to run Liverpool down and I'm sorry Diddy I think Manchester City will get this title Well it's interesting because Klopp said we're not the Harlem Globetrotters he expects people expect the entertainment but they're grinding out those 1-0 wins the one on the weekend was one that he said was actually the most mature of his tenure Um, but no Harlem Globetrotters grand final pressure's on um, Diddy, you've got a, a foot in both camps. Which which way do you think it'll go? Which way do you want it to go? Surely he's one. He's got a much bigger foot in the Liverpool camp than the City yeah, one. Yeah, I, I certainly have a, a bigger foot. Even though I've, I've got to say, when I go back to City, they they are a tremendous club, well run, do a lot in the community. They 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 are led uh, fantastically well. So is Liverpool. Um, I think the reason why Klopp was so happy the weekend was because this historically has been one of these games where you, where they did slip up. And I think this is why he's so happy that they were able to grind a result out. And the, the, the simple fact is, if you ask me now, I disagree with you, Bridgie. I think at the moment I'd say Liverpool will do it, even though four points is a, a nice cushion. It's not the world, but it's a nice cushion. They don't concede goals. You know, they concede, what, 10 goals all season in 20 games now? So, and, and with the forward line they've got, they won't go many games without scoring. So, I'll look at the squad, Diddy, and I see Liverpool with injuries at the moment when you're having to pay, play Fabinho at centre-half and how teams are really trying to get away from Van Dijk and play on these centre-halves, whether it's Lovren, who has been honking the last few games. I just feel City's squad is far stronger and more equipped to take them at the end you of the You say season. that, but then, then they didn't have Fernandinho for those two games and that was such a big deal. You know, they, they, they lost... The left back as well, then they say Mendy's out, and then it's like, do you play Zinchenko? Do you play where do you play Delph? Delph's injured, so they've still got the. I've always won. I've sort of wondered how City don't have a reserve holding midfielder. You know that seems strange. Just well, when Stones was in there, it was terrible. Yeah, it just was, get, just get an average one, right? And they're not buying one in January by the sounds of it either. And so that's going to be the ten hooks for them is whether they can go through with Fernandinho playing so every game. Can we have a bottle of wine on this? Yes, yes, we have a bottle Deal. of wine. Done. Uh, Liverpool could be out of the Champions League in six weeks time yeah. so there could be a, a few games less even though I think well, they're uh, out the FA I, Cup yeah yeah, they are the FA Cup and um, with, with with the squad depth I part agree with you I think the squad is a lot deeper than it used to be because the players they brought in they kept most of the players from last year Van Dijk is key if Van Dijk stays fit I don't think it matters an awful lot who plays the other centre-back Gomez will be back in a few weeks time uh, I think you can um you can cushion uh, injury to Salah, Firmino, Mane. If one of these is out for a few weeks, I think he'll be fine. Van Dijk is key. If Van Dijk doesn't get injured, I think they win the league. Did you guys play with players who were so good, they made you better? You know, that sort of Van Dijk thing that some like Lovren can be there or Matip or, or Fabinho or whoever can go, that's ah, all right, Van Dijk's here, so I'm just going to be better than I actually am. Every other 10 players in the park at Leeds were better than me, Max. Yes, they definitely made me a better player. Did he? Um... Well, I, I was lucky to play with, uh, with, with Sammy Hippie and Jamie Carragher behind me for a few years. And um, it's not a, so much about making each other or, or making players better. I think Van Dijk does that with the fullbacks. They've got two very young fullbacks, even though they're not really inexperienced anymore because they've been around for a couple of years now. Um, it's the belief in the camp. And I was lucky to play with Steven Gerrard for seven years. It's just when you... When you've got these players in your in your team, and for me the most important thing was always to shake hands in England. You shake hands before the game with your teammates, and you look each other in the eye, and when you shake hands, 
and you know you've got 10 guys next to you who you can trust. And I think at Liverpool at the moment, they've got these people and they've got in Van Dijk an absolute leader where you know, even if we make a mistake in midfield, there's somebody at the back who digs us out and if he slips up, we've got a keeper, which they didn't have for the last four or five years. Would you so have preferred us to shake hands before this pod? Uh, or is that a sign that you don't trust no, there us? Was, there, there was a reason we didn't. Okay. <laughs> Well, three men here uh, carrying the can for me, which is excellent. I feel a lot more assured. From the top to the bottom, gents, overnight, David Wagner was, well, he wasn't sacked, but a mutual parting of ways with Huddersfield, who are bottom of the table, two wins from 22, 13 goals scored all season. Um, are we surprised, gents, given he's a almost a club legend, a, a city legend at Huddersfield, or was this something that maybe they just need a change? He wasn't going to be able to spark them themselves or in such a hole. Well, they're eight points off safety now. Um, so if you want to give yourself a chance, they probably thought um, he's not the man to drive the club forward and uh, and keep him in the league. I was very surprised that he stayed in the summer, I've got to say, because I'm, I'm sure he would have had opportunities to go somewhere else in the summer. Uh, they had the lowest budget last season. He kept him up against all the odds. He got him into the Premier League in the first place, kept them up. Um, and I've got to say, it's been, um, it's been absolutely tremendous what he did there last year. Um, and sometimes, and, and foreign managers tend to do that more than English manager, even though he's foreign, but he's, I think he's got American background. The foreign managers always stay one step ahead of the sack. And I think it was always, it was always happening. It was always coming to keep them up with the lowest budget again, I think would have been, well, it was a minor miracle last year, it would have uh, a, a even bigger miracle this year because we know that in the second season, sometimes it's a lot harder than the first one. Um, it's sad that it ended this way because as you say, he's done tremendous things for Huddersfield um, but it's probably the yeah last chance saloon for them to stay in the league. I think that he makes the right point about your sort of tactics if you are a manager. When do you stick and when do you twist and, and Huddersfield were never going to do more than stay in the Premier League. And if he'd done it again, it would have been a great achievement. But he's done that. And actually, if he was, maybe he's loyal. Maybe he's like a good man and a nice guy. And, and those things have counted against him. Because if he just said, right, this is as far as this has gone. I can, I can get higher up the ladder now. Because you're so judged in football management as that's what you can do. You are a good championship manager to get a team in the Premier League, but you're no better than that. Or you're a mid-table Premier League manager, you're no better than that. And maybe he should have gone. I thought the statement was really interesting because uh, the chief executive Huddersfield was saying, look, this guy is is up there with, say, Herbert Chapman for what he's done at Huddersfield. And this is not, this is not code for we're sacking him at all. We didn't want him to leave. We've kind of agreed. You know, we've had meetings about the fact he was going to stay until the end of the season, whatever. But we finally come to this, that, that, that David Wagner wants to step away. And I think that's quite an important point that most people who just see the headline will go, ah, oh, they've sacked him. And they've said it's mutual consent because they like him. But actually, it sounds like this one is much more of a mutual decision than mutual consent. Normally, you know, when, you know, when your missus dumps you and you say, ah, oh, it was not working out for either of us, that means you were dumped, right? But actually, in this one, it seems like they just grew apart. Uh, and I completely agree. That's the, the rumours coming out. He felt he'd taken them, Wagner, as far as he could. He couldn't get the best out of the boys. And I, until Diddy mentioned that there, I hadn't really thought he is, doesn't want that sacking on his CV. But what's interesting coming from the club as well, this in that now they've got to find a manager that they want for the long term of this club. And you hear names like Sam Allardyce being mentioned. The firefighters are coming out. And I just think that, that ain't the long term fix for this football club. Wagner was, for me, the perfect man. He knows how to get out the championship, but he's, he's seen the writing on the wall. He's jumped ship. So it's a massive challenge now 
for somebody to come in and take this job when they're in the relegation battle and for me they're gone and for the long term of well, this future and who yeah, they're going to get. But then you've got to bring a, a manager in who's got a, a proven track record in the championship because if this is the, the way you think it's going to go, so are you going to go with Allardyce till the end of the season and say, Sam, give it a go because I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, hold it against him or put it against him that he does keep him up because he did fantastic things in the past. It, it's not always uh, very enjoyable to watch. But if you want to give yourself a chance, I'd bring him in till the end of the season, see what he can do. But now to plan long term when you're eight points of safety where you while you're most probably in the championship, what do you still want to keep the that's chance. A, that's because naive, it, isn't it? Yeah, no, but you can't bring... You can't say now, I bring a manager in for the next three years when you're most likely be in the championship because that means, well, if you bring somebody in now who's got a track record in the championship, then everybody will say, well... Uh, We're relegated. You're relegated, yeah. or we are relegated. So I think it's a... Uh, I'm not sure whether they're well advised to um, think about or think too far ahead uh, in this current moment. Interesting times for Huddersfield. They're certainly in a spot at the bottom of the Premier League. Gents- I played uh, blockbusters with Sam Allardyce once. I don't know if that translates to Australians because I don't know if they have blockbusters. Can, I have, a, can um, I have a B, please, Bob? Exactly that. Uh, like, a, like a quiz show, two people versus one person. And you, you had like the questions had a letter. So you'd, you'd ask for a P, please, Bob. And then it'd be a question with the answer beginning with P. But if it's not an Australian show, I won't tell the anecdote. Um, it, it was a moment where it took about two minutes and I reckon halfway through, Sam was like, a year ago I was the England manager and I'm in a small room with this idiot playing this game. He's been doing the media round, so I reckon someone as savvy as Sam has seen the, uh, seen the writing on the wall for, for the job opportunities that are available and uh, wouldn't be surprised if he was putting his hat into the ring. Jess, I'm going to get you to finish the sentence, which is something we do each week to get through a range of topics. Um, Didi, off the back of the incredible display by David De Gea in Manchester United's win over Tottenham, which was something like 11 second half saves. Um, Manchester United's best ever goalkeeper is? Peter Schmeichel. How close does David De Gea, or what does he have to do to catch up? Uh, he's got to win titles. Easy as that. Uh, Schmeichel won the, won the Champions League, he won numerous league titles, he won FA Cups. Um, uh, the reason Man United is not challenging for the Champions League title, even though they're still in, are they? Yeah, they're, they're, they appear to believe it or not. So they're not really. Um, in, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the reason they're not challenging for the Champions League at the moment, I think, it was more to do with the uh, with the with the last manager they had, uh, not with David De Gea. He's he's an outstanding keeper. He's probably at the moment, I'd say, the best. Um, but if you want to go down in history or in in, in Man United folklore, is the best keeper. Uh, you've got to maybe not match what Michael did, but yeah, Jim Ronnie Jim close. Layton is ahead of um, De Gea. Jim Leighton, the old goalkeeper Manchester United. Who had so much uh, Vaseline. Vaseline on his eyebrows. Yep. It's almost covered his eyes. To stop the sweat yeah. running in on them FA Cup finals, them hot days. Hey, I will sometimes not be, I'll be not be weighing in on those tactics. I've had to try all the stops. <laughs> sometimes you'd need a tub of Vaseline for each <laughs> eyebrow on you, David. <laughs> That's why it's a podcast, not a television show. They're really tremendous. I'd never really paid attention to them. That's I mean, I only met you an hour ago. That was Bridgie's reaction the first time. He stared into my eyes as well. His nickname is Now Now One Brow. <laughs> Well, I said Schmeichel as well. I wonder with you two, you must have, did you either of you score against him many times, once, ever? Did you, were you ever through on goal? Because you know, Schmeichel made himself the, big. The presence. You know, that sort of cliche. Did you ever run through on goal and Schmeichel was there being big? Did he never left the centre circle? So True. let's not no, kill ourselves. Yeah. He played, played a many a pass or a through ball, but I was through on goal with Schmeichel and like you say, an absolute giant. The way he closed his angles down 
was sensational. And um, he just came out. He seemed to have arms and legs that grew from different parts of his body. It was incredible. No need to ask him whether he's good. No, I didn't. You know that. <laughs> Bridgie, where do you subscribe on the on the theory that uh, De Gea was in the right place at the right time or he put himself in the right place at the right time versus bad finishing from Tottenham? And that is in comparison to Hugo, Hugo Lloris and uh, Marcus Rashford's finish. Well, Lloris made some great saves in that game as well, but Rashford's finish was inch perfect. Across goal, low and hard, all strikers. Can you, If you're going to shoot, shoot across goal. He did it brilliantly. I think that when you look at um, Deli Ali's finishing and Harry Kane's, it was a lot more in the, the reach of De Gea, but his reaction. And I mean, I think he made more saves of his feet mm. than anything else. It's His reactions were absolutely superb. So a bit, a bit of both. You put yourself in the right position, the goalkeeper, he'll tick all the boxes, but Harry Kane and Deli Ali, when they look back at that, they'll be disgusted at their finishing. The, sa- the save from Aldevira from the corner, that's so yep. quick. That's saying you know, That move is just so instinctive. And Kane's second one, when he took it on his left foot, and he, every, he I think I thought, and everybody thought he was going to go across goal. Those two saves... And, you know, feet are part of your body, aren't they? You're, yeah. like, you're allowed to use them if you're a goalkeeper, and he's very good at that. That was one I did chuckle at. It was the free kick from Ericsson when it almost was in the centre of the goal. But De Gea somehow made one of these magnificent, I call them television saves, yeah. where he made the most of it. And he could have caught it easily without diving, but it looked fantastic because he knew he was having such a good game. That got him the man of the match award. I, I, I think what, what he's the best at, not only is he the best in, in shot stopping and in, in controlling his box, the first rule for a keeper is not make the centre-forward's mind up. You know yourself, when the goalkeeper comes out too quick, he makes a decision for you. You know what to do, or what you have to do, what you, what you need to do to score. And I think he's the best to, to stay calm and, and stay in a position where he makes the forward actually think. He stands up, he doesn't yeah. commit himself, and that's what Schmeichel was amazing at. He would never commit himself. Max, uh, yes, Cesc Fabregas' uh, Premier League legacy is probably better than we appreciate. That's what I think. I, 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 I view him because of the way his career has sort of finished. Probably it. better than we than we appreciate. That's five or six, mate. How many do you want? Just, Just a word. One. Good. <laughs> Underrated. Yeah. Good. Bridgie, I, over to you. <laughs> Brilliant. Over to you again. <laughs> just, I just think the way it's ended for him sort of makes you forget actually quite how good he was for Arsenal and as a kid as well. And 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 it's interesting that the when you look at. Spanish players, there aren't just there aren't that many that have come and been huge successes in the Premier League, and and so I think right now we don't quite appreciate that he was as good as he was. Do you think part of the thing there is that is he a legend at Arsenal or a legend and or a legend at Chelsea, or is he actually more a Premier League legend rather than what at the distinct clubs? Well, he's certainly no no Chelsea legend. I would say I don't think he he did enough. If you look at the history of the club in the last fifteen years, what they achieved, um, I don't think he could. Put him in the same bracket as a as a Makalele, a, a, well, a, a Drogba, Lampard, a name him. Uh, Arsenal. Uh, I'm I'm in in Max camp here because if you look back, the way he started at Arsenal when he I think he made his debut when he was 16 yeah. or 17, the kid was absolutely phenomenal. He played with 17, 18 years. He played like a like an old man. You know, he like he's been around for 10 years, and in a way. We kind of forget now how good he used to be because in the last few years, um, I don't think it was uh, the Fabregas. And I think he's one of these players, even though he's a centre midfielder who seemed to mature uh, later than, than 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 wingers or centre forwards. I think he probably peaked in his early twenties. 
He uh, he debuted for Monaco overnight, one all draw with Marseille, playing further forward. I didn't see the game, but I read about that he was playing further forward than he has been in recent times. And a one all draw for with Chelsea. Monaco is pretty astonishing because they're in moment, dire straits. So that's a great tonic for them as he's gone and tried to you know help his old mate Thierry Henry. But then I guess the bigger question there and a bit of a survey is where does he stand amongst the best foreigners in the last decade of the Premier League? The amount of games that he's played, the things that he has won, it, it is legendary. And, you know, we, I look at the television shows and you know, I've got Zola's on there, Robbie Fowler's, the Dennis Bergkamp's legends. Cesc Fabregas for that position, for the amount of games and the age that he came, it is legendary, Dave. So I think he goes down as a legend of the Premier League, oh. not so much with Arsenal. Just. I reckon he's one rung below. No. Obviously, the, we're talking foreign players or all players? What, foreign players, foreign players. players. The best ever is obviously Tony Yeboah, with that volley. <laughs> that's, that's all. I think, I think, I'd say Aguero, also still underrated. Probably the best foreigner in the Premier League. Is that, I mean, of the last oh. 10 years, Aguero. Try to narrow it down for us. <sighs> but, you know, yeah, I, I still, people don't rate Aguero I, I, for as well as he is. I think the Arsenal time is too far back. And if you, if you look at the team he's played at Arsenal... They weren't prolific winners, were they? No. He won more at Chelsea. Did he? Yeah. Won two Premier Leagues. Yeah. But here's an interesting wind is almost how I heard someone say his Premier League medals were a reward for his early career form. Between 2007 and 2011, in the top five leagues in Europe, he was number one for assists, number one for chances created, and number one for average chances created per game. So that probably talks to the idea that we well, maybe forgot how influential was he was. It, what was a quote again? His two Premier League medals were... With Chelsea rewards. were almost a reward for his... Uh, form or influence as he <laughs> <laughs> I, I will quote Twitter again <laughs> did you say that I just quoting someone on Twitter yeah, yeah. Was, you know so what you've done 10 years ago you get rewarded 10 years after nonsense <laughs> I love it when Diddy blows up <laughs> that's great that's great hey, Bridget oh, but he deserved he deserved him don't get me wrong he Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Uh, for what he's done in the game in England in the Premier League, uh, I have to say, he probably deserved these two medals. <laughs> Not the nonsense written on social media, that is for sure. <laughs> Off the beaten track for a second, uh, Bayern Munich's Frank Ribery and his gold patent painted steak mm. at Salt Bay's Dubai restaurant is... Mm. I'm trying to think of a nice way to put this. Um, I'd say of all the people in the room, Michael Bridges is the most likely the to blink. go to Dubai and have a steak for like £8,000. And, you know, and think it's cool. That's uh, exactly yeah. why I'm thinking he, of a word he, that would admire yeah, this. Because yeah, yeah. I don't want to glorify it, but I think it is... Um, did you, when you're, you know, in your day, did you do something like that? What was the flashiest thing you did? Do you know? Oh, no, it? I was a tight horse. You ask any of my ex-colleagues, oh, really? I was the worst dressed man at the football club. Okay. I used to save all my pennies up. The only thing I ever splashed out on were my, was cars. I love cars. And that was it. Apart from that, everything. Right, what, so you never played with Steve Harbour then? <laughs> no. What, <what's, laughs> he, he was even tighter than me. Oh, yeah. How many cars? Uh, my time at Leeds, seven. Seven cars. In four years. Yeah. And what did you do with the other six when you weren't driving yeah. them? Uh, polished them. <laughs> did you have a multi-storey car park in your no, house? No, I used to use the neighbour's garages. What, okay, what was the poshest car? Aston Martin, DB7, okay. James a Bond. DB7. Yeah, so oh, there okay. you go. So, I mean, but what, apart from that, what I wasn't a tight flash. Ass. 
Apart Steve, from that, I wasn't Steve, flashed. If Steve Harbour was a ghost, he wouldn't even give you a fright. <laughs> <laughs> It was unbelievable. I've got to say, him he hung around with Alan Shearer, possibly the two tightest men yeah, I have ever met in football. Alan was used to getting everything for free and thought even when he went out for a meal, it was free. He didn't realise all the other lads chipped in. And Harps was just hanging off the tailcoats of Alan, wasn't he? Unbelievable. Diddy, what was the closest you saw to gold on a steak? And just quietly, what does gold add to a steak? Uh, I couldn't uh, come in. I think the whole issue with this is in our current day and age, he can eat, he can do with his money, he can eat a steak for £8,000, twenty. he can do with his money what he wants. But I think the issue is once you post it on social media, you leave yourself open to criticism. And I think that's that's the whole problem with that story. Um, he uh, reacted in a way he shouldn't have done. I think <laughs> Bayern Munich should have come down hard on him. Um, but he can eat as many gold steaks uh, as he likes. Uh, he's still a tremendous player. I mean, I would pick Bernays over gold, generally, on a steak. But yeah, but look, I mean, the interesting thing about Ribery saying this is he's saying, hey, I'm doing this, and everyone says, oh, you flashy uh, whatever, and he goes, I don't care. He's just saying, I don't care. I mean, the way he phrased it was sort of looser than, than perhaps I would yes, have done. Yes, use your imagination. Um, but but I, I'd, I really want him to become a pundit. That Frankly, if, if that's the way he's just going to talk about <laughs> things he doesn't like, but clearly I don't imagine that I would enjoy taking tea with him. So the answer to your question, I can't give you one word, but the word is Billy Big Time which in England we call Flash Harry. And he's got the money to do it. And talking about you being the one there, I think I'd be outside the queue trying to get in and just gazing at these geezers with, with gold on, on their stakes. Hang on, like, like there is a certain price and once an item of food gets above it, it doesn't taste nice because you're like, this is a waste of money, you know? Because it's, it, it's all going to turn into something in the end, right? And so like... I bet it will turn into gold something. Well, possibly. Well, that's the irony of it. He said he, he didn't even pay for it himself so yeah that that's true the, yeah yeah the irony think, of the whole thing do you think when it turns into the other stuff that you're on about that he might make a ring out of it um I, you know it's up to it's up to you <laughs> to finish that gag Bridgie, or cut the, it out the gold the gold oh okay the golden ring oh i see i understand yeah i need to do that hey Bridgie, marcelo bielsa is a genius go on I just think what he has done in the championship and um, what he's done over his career, the, there's many managers have come into Leeds United over recent times with all the turmoil off the field, previous owners, managers. They haven't been able to get the best out of these players that have been there. They haven't had the respect from the hierarchy. Bielsa has come in and absolutely got these players running their socks off, playing a style of football that Liam Cooper, when he was at Hull City as a youngster, he couldn't even trap a ball. Bielsa's got this guy playing and playing for this team and he's, he's gone on to a new level. And, you know, what he's been doing off the field as well with his analysis when he says he's there till 2am in the morning, that's just a smokescreen for his brilliant spying tactics, which is not illegal. And he goes out and does it and he analyses the other teams. And I just think what he has done so far has been magnificent well, for Leeds. Speaking of the spying scandal, if you're not across it, uh, Leeds is win over Derby on the weekend was overshadowed by the news that he had sent someone to have a look at Frank Lampard's training session. Frank Lampard was incensed. Here's a little bit of what he had to say. I don't care if it's cultural. When I travel to that country, I will find out what the etiquette is in that country and I will abide by it, which I think is a good actually thing to do uh, in life, not just football. Frank Lampard's a bright guy. It would be great if someone went to everywhere that Frank has been just to check that he abided by every single cultural norm of those countries. The trouble is, right, I, I probably don't necessarily approve of it, but it's so funny that I'm 
happy that it happened. You know, like it's the idea of, oh, it's, sad, it's sad it wasn't Bielsa himself in like a mask and a balaclava with binoculars. You know, that, that would be the dream, right? Um, I think what's interesting is there are lots of people who are getting totally irate about this who don't really mind, you know, two-footed challenges that can break people's legs and diving. And, you know, there's lots of cheating in football. And tapping up players ta- behind exactly. closed doors yeah, yeah. when tapping you're not meant to tap yeah, up players. Yeah. There are lots of things wrong with the game, you know, like corruption, racism, homophobia, etc. This isn't such a, a huge problem. I mean, I, I like the idea of every manager, you know. When Max, he's, this, when is, Max, this is legal. There's, no, there's nothing to suggest that this, anything he's done is untoward. So Leeds United's training ground when we were there, we had a guy on the door called Jack the Rockweiler. You could not get past this man. The training ground is surrounded by about four or five different farms and fields. So the access there, it'd be very hard to spy on Leeds United's training it, ground. It's important to say that there are occasions when peeping through a fence is illegal. Correct. Yes. As you would know. <laughs> and that Newcastle United's training ground, as Didi's been there, there was where we trained, there was a, a path would go down the side of the training ground. All the fans were there peeping through the fence because it was metal fencing with gaps in. And often you'd either see a journalist or a scout there observing our sessions. So... This is nothing out of the new. Bielsa's the first man that had the balls to say what goes on. And for me, he's, he's got one over his opponents by thinking this way. I'm, I'm a big fan of Frank Lampard. I think he's, he's done terrifically uh, well so far uh, on the pitch and also what he says in his press conference. I think he comes across really well. He's a bright guy. Um, but he got this one wrong. Uh, talking about etiquette coming to a foreign country, um, I just uh, don't agree with him. And uh, there's a lot of foreign managers now, not only the Premier League, but also in the Championship, um, if he thinks that Bielsa is the only manager who actually does send somebody to watch him train, uh, he better smells the coffee. Well, he might have forgotten about Andres Villas-Bas when he was working for his old boss, Jose Mourinho. And I think there was a laundry basket that Jose got into a dressing room in as well when they needed to make a speech when he was banned. So I think Frank might need to look back at some of the history before he complains again. But surely, did he? it's a bit over the top. This was a bit of political... It's gone mad. And and the one I found really interesting was Gary Neville going at Henry Winter. When Henry Winter went really hard on Bielsa, Gary Neville said, and what about when the press spied on England's team and leaked their own country's 11 before a World Cup game? Yeah, people in glass houses. You know, I think we are, we are all hypocrites to a certain extent, some more than others. Um, I think it's, it's blown completely out of proportion. There was a, a story actually a couple of weeks before the end of the first half of the season in Germany where... Uh, uh, Werder Bremen sent somebody to watch Hoffenheim train and the guy in charge used a drone. So they had to stop training for uh, health and safety uh, reasons and it was a big thing. Bremen uh, apologised. They said the guy didn't have permission to use a drone, which he did. Um, obviously, this is taking it a, a step further because then people's uh, health and safety is actually um, in question and um, at risk. Um, that's a different thing. As Bridges said, the guy did nothing wrong if he... Um, entered private territory, which is Derby County's training ground, then it's a case for the police. They have to deal with with the matter, Um, but it goes on all the time. I don't know how much you actually get, information you get out of watching, but if you don't like it, get a curtain. They spend an awful lot of money on players' wages and on on, on all sorts of things. I've been to Liverpool a few years ago. They've got a 20, 25-yard curtain round the final one or two training sessions at a training ground so nobody can watch. And they only put that up when they know you're coming back. (laughs) I say the idea of Bielsa on stilts, just peering above. Well, we get to a stage where uh, training in the week is is actually precisely not what you're going to do on a Saturday afternoon. So okay. everyone is, yeah, everyone's training in a four-two-three-one and then plays three-five-two because they go, ah, oh, you've been watching. I went, 
uh, we had a big cup game, my team, the other week, and it was the FA Cup weekend. So I insta- put on Instagram the professions of the team. You know, you know, we sort of had quite a boring back four of accountants and then quite a creative midfield of, you know, a musician and broadcasters and TV producers. There's a bit of money in and, that team. Yeah, by the way. and I put, um, I was a good tax account on the right back. But we, um, I put it as four four two, and we play three five two in the hope that one of the opposition would see and think we played in a four, and it worked first twenty minutes. They thought we were playing four four two, and we weren't. We still lost. See, I'm going to do a Jimmy and Genius on you. That's cheating, and you should be deducted points from your team. Fair enough. Can yeah, you, yeah. What a load of rubbish he was talking there. By the way, yeah. a deduction for a thing that is actually legal. Please, JJ. Strong punditry. Hey, I want to know if uh, Marcelo Bielsa would be scouting on ladders or on a series of crates. That would be an interesting sight to behold. Yeah, multiple buckets. Balancing Mm. on the top. Right, it's time for... He said what? Exactly. And if you weren't across, Neil Warnock on the weekend, Cardiff City boss, Max Rushton, head in hand and put your hand over your ears. I can't wait to get out of them, if I'm honest. I think we'll be far better out of the bloody thing. Mate. In every aspect. And to hell with the rest of the world, eh? Football-wise as well. Football-wise as well, yeah. Neil Warnock Mm. on Brexit. Max Rushton, to you. Right, so who is Neil Warnock? He is a 70-year-old man, right, who spends all day watching men running around kicking a round thing. Why would we pay any attention to what he thinks about politics? It's that simple. Listen, Brexit's a... Can I swear on this or not? What's the rules? What you just said, we it's know. A we know. Disaster, <laughs> all right. It seriously is. I, I, I'm so enraged about it. Every single, uh, honestly, uh, it's just it's it's so yes. bad in every single possible. There's just no way it's good for anyone. And you know, it, uh, as we were saying before this, the number of foreign players that Neil Warnock's used, freedom of movement for Europeans has made the Premier League such a brilliant thing. We were just talking about um, uh, Cesc Fabregas, you know. It is in, it has is, it is made the league so good that for him to just come out with some sort of cliched nonsense is frankly embarrassing. The week after spending some time scouting abroad, nonetheless, naming an 11 full of foreign players. Yeah, and uh, he may not be able to bring these players in. He doesn't need to scout them anymore because there might be uh, there's got to be an exception for the Premier League if you want to bring these people in. Because if you're not part of the European Union or more, then um, you you have a problem. Uh, I always have that image of uh, Neil Warnock uh, in Sheffield sitting on his lawnmower when he was out of a job and he said he's uh, he's, he's mowing the lawn about six hours a day. Um, yeah, maybe. I know, sh- maybe sh- I know five or six players that played under Warnock in his Sheffield United times. And if there's nothing in it for Warnock, then there's something up. So there's got to be something in it for him to get to want this Brexit thing to happen because the players, if they weren't picked for their first team game at the weekend, normally you would have to play for the reserves on a Wednesday. Warnock would get the players in, the senior players, and say, if you do want to play, what's it going to cost you? So you were allowed to actually pay Neil Warnock cash to get out of the reserve game in a midweek fixture. So there you go. To some more nonsense. Um, Rio Ferdinand on Mike Ashley at Newcastle United on BT Sport. This was some very interesting punditry. We'll just play it for you now. He spent 50-odd million pounds to get him back up. Yeah. Of his own money. Yeah. Thank you. And by the way, please say thank you for getting Rafa Benitez in. Because really, by rights, they're lucky to have him. (laughs) What on earth? I just hope Rio had gone fishing for a reaction on social media because he's he's so far from the truth and so far off the mark that the reaction in Newcastle. I've had players, uh, sorry, players. I've had fans, my mates, saying, "Can you can you get a message to your mate Rio and just tell him he's an absolute, you know what, d-head." 
um, because of what he said is so far from the truth. But the reason he said it, he's got to back Mike Ashley up and he's got to say this because Rio has a, a brand. I'm not going to name it. I'm not going to give him any airtime. And it is actually sold in Mike Ashley's um, sports Sports stores. Direct. So the most money that Mike Ashley has ever spent in Newcastle was to buy a thing called House and Fraser, which was our local. It's a bit like the Westfields over here, but on, on a smaller scale. And it was so ironic because it was during the transfer window and Alan Shearer put out a, a tweet saying, can't wait to see this guy play. That is the only money he has ever spent in Newcastle. He's kidding himself what Rio has said. He's got his own self-interest at heart there. And even uh, Diddy, the money that he supposedly is, was defended for spending was not his own money. He actually ran a profit the year they went down to the championship. What do you make of the state of Newcastle, a club that so many say could be the one to become the next superpower if done properly, but just is being so held back by this ownership at the moment? Well, it's a, it's a shame to watch it. And I, I had the... Um the chance or the opportunity to play up there for 12 months and uh, what a passionate uh, and, and enthusiastic crowd they are. They love their football um, and, and that defines the whole city and, and this is what they live for. That's why they go to work to watch uh, the Toon Army on the, on the Saturday. Um, I spoke to, to Rafa Benitez before the start of the season because uh, I was approached by a couple of people and said, well, would that be an option uh, to bring a player in? And I spoke to him uh, in, in June, July uh, and he said, if, if they're for sale, Unless it's a loan deal, he said, uh, forget it. You, you can you can put the phone down now because I won't be able to buy anybody. If we do bring somebody in, then it's got to be a loan deal. And that shows what uh, how restricted he is, how he's, how he's working there on a tight budget. Um, they are in a, in, a, in a tough situation. I think Rafa, having worked with him, the man is a genius for me. And uh, he did wonderful things for Newcastle. I still think he will keep him up this season. Um, but then he wants to win trophies, so I don't think they'd be able to to keep him for, for much longer. And it's just a shame to see that whole situation, because at the moment you feel things will get worse before they get better. Because if Ashley doesn't spend the money, he owns the club. Um, I just wonder where they're going to go, where they'll be in two, two years, five years, um, ten years from here. Unless he eventually sells and you never, you know, you've heard that story so many times that you, you don't know if he ever will. I think, look, I don't think Rafa Benitez should be beyond criticism because Mike Ashley's there. But this story and, and this with Rio, I think is an interesting point about punditry and how with social media and for all it's the bad things about it, one of the good things is, the reaction can be quick and people can fact check stuff and lots of people will fact check stuff and say, hang on, this is nonsense. And you you risk your own credibility, right? Every time, he's a good pundit and he's and he speaks well quite a lot of the time. But if you, if you are so categorically wrong on something like this, and the, the point is that whichever club you are talking about, there are fans that know more than you and care more than you. Whatever club it is, right? Whatever we're talking about, there'll be people that are, that's all their life. They analyse it all the time. So you really risk your credibility there if you're going to come out... Uh, maybe he's he, he's got he's got interests right so fair enough just be quiet about it try and sit on the fence but to be so pro Mike Ashley and to talk about figures when it isn't the case and so many people will say look parachute payments you sold these players you made a profit you just look stupid well Richard Keyes wants Rafa to pay for transfer out of his own pocket so <laughs> oh, Jamo yeah, well that's another man well Jamo in Sydney asks you Max with the millions of pounds you earn what part of Australia has Richard Keyes suggested you buy <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll buy whichever part of Australia uh, enables the... We'll have you. We'll have me <laughs> and the current Mrs. Rushton, you know, she. if I want children, I just don't know if I do. I know it's sort of quite late in the pod to have an existential crisis about uh, procreating, but, but uh, you know, somewhere south of the equator and then apparently her ovaries will start working. So. I don't know if this is an appropriate segue or not, but... Um, <laughs> 
Well, Diddy called uh, me a Khalifa before I th- asked what her job description was. He said she was a freelancer. So we'll go with that for the purposes of this. But on Arsenal Fan TV, she was asked for her three favourite players of all time. Wait for it. Zinedine Zidane, David Beckham, Aaron Moy. Hang on, you have to explain. I know you said freelance. You have to give a bit more detail. I'd never heard of this person. What's her profession? Well, it's I think it's otherwise known as a porn star okay. and a very famous one at that. I'm yeah. reliably informed. Um, She's very good. Is she? What, what makes you better she, or worse at that particular? She's just a good actor. Okay, right. Okay, excellent. And, and what do you think, Bridget? What are your thoughts on her thoughts on Aaron Moy? She needs a head, head examined, to be fair. I mean, he's, not, he's, he's a great footballer. If she's talking on a football sense, fantastic. I appreciate that. But not in the comparison with Beckham and Zinedine Zidane for football and definitely not in the same, same category or, or stratosphere for looks. Well, it's been a brilliant week for Australians in the press because Jurgen Klopp had this to say uh, ahead of the weekend game about one of, two of our players. Um, caught us all a bit by surprise, but we're really happy to hear it. I, I, I didn't know him before, really before I came to England, but uh, Mitch Langerick was my goalkeeper, my second goalkeeper at, at Dortmund. I always thought it's possible that Australia have a better goalkeeper than him. Yes. Did he? Is, I mean, that's that's great for Mitch, great for Matty Ryan. Um, most random kind of press conference reference you've heard? What, does anything spring to mind? Uh, well, I think it was the anniversary of uh, Rafa's press conference, wasn't it? Uh, about his, uh, when he was going on about Ferguson. What, oh, the facts? It's the a facts, fact, yeah. It's a fact. The facts, yeah. I think it was 10 years, was it? Okay. Um, that was probably the most random I've heard, yeah. Um well, I think Liverpool was out here last year. They played a game after this last season or the season before. Um, yeah, maybe somebody should remind the Liverpool manager that um, they don't only play rugby or cricket in Australia. Very nice. No, we certainly have a great stock of goalkeeper, that is for sure. A random story for us just to talk about uh, towards the end of the podcast. It's, it's, this is a really feel-good story. Um, Jacob Blazikowski. Did I get that right? Did he? Sort of. Ish. Am I in the ballpark? Um, he left Wolfsburg, or he's about to leave Wolfsburg, for his boyhood club, Wisla Krakow. Now, they're on the verge of bankruptcy. Um, he's a former Borussia Dortmund midfielder. He's a Poland's most capped player. Dortmund put out a beautiful tweet saluting what he did or what he's about to do. He'll play for free, and he's going to pay £300,000 to cover the outstanding wages at the club that he wants to try and save. Um Going talking about Salt Bay and Frank Ribery one minute, talking about this. Does this spring to mind of any you know any fabulous feel good stories that, that you've come across, Max? Do you know what uh, Luke Chadwick, who played for Manchester United, was a Cambridge United fan, and he went. He didn't quite pay people, but he did take a pay cut to play for Cambridge United, and he did say that scoring for Cambridge United was as good as playing for Manchester United in the Champions League. So um, he was in my ugly eleven. That's how. That's outrageous. See, it's about personality as well, Bridget. You know, you've got to take the whole package. He's a great man. He's a hero of Cambridge United. Yeah, I'm just saying he was in my ugly okay. 11. He's a <laughs> great player. Who when asked you, you to do an ugly yeah. 11? <laughs> to be <laughs> fair, it went round in the, in the English press. They did an ugly 11, and it was in the national papers, and Steve Grzovic was the goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Had to win it. So we all decided to do one at Leeds United as well, all the boys. We came up with our own. Were you immune from your own teams? No, no, I was in half the lads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, what a nice... Look, some footballers are nice. Great story. A great story. And uh, he's been a tremendous servant for uh, for Dortmund, for Wolfsburg. I just wonder um, if he starts playing for, for Wiesler Krakow and uh, if things don't go too well and there might be him giving a goal away in one of the first few games, do you think actually somebody's having a go at him? Knowing that he paid his wages? They can't, can they? Hard, isn't they? Yeah. That's great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah you should have been there. Uh, all right, mate. No money for you. Oh, you'd week. be on the street if it wasn't for me. 
Good analysis, did he? Yeah. Uh, boys, well, we've come to the end of the podcast and it's been it's been a lot of fun. We can just look very quickly ahead to the weekend. And of course, Liverpool play Crystal Palace, Huddersfield, Manchester City. They're in that that two-horse race up the top. But the, the highlight of the weekend, I suppose, is Arsenal-Chelsea, 4.30 a.m. Sunday morning. Gents, how are you going with the early time zones just quietly? Have you watched any of those games? Set your alarms? I'm a big fan of the mini-match on the Optus app. Which, hey. uh, and one, what's excellent about it is they don't tell you the score when you come. You know, I was worried. I was like, going to have to close my eyes because I, I didn't want to know the Spurs-United score and I didn't see the score. And then I watched that. I find that's a great way to consume the football over here in Australia. Which you are on Optus score. <laughs> and your alarm clock, did I think we've seen you four or five o'clock in the morning for some of these Nations Leagues. Yeah, sometimes I do watch them, but um, Max actually just uh, read what he just said. Uh, the Optus <laughs> mini-app, he just read that off my... <laughs> Excellent. So and we'll be playing that on loop for the rest of the season. We're very excited about that. So Arsenal-Chelsea, um, a quick one there, a quick tip. And just a quick note, are these two teams in danger of being overhauled by Man United? Yes, but Chelsea will come forth. Uh, Man United will finish in the top four. It's it's a long way to go, but I feel, um, apart from the top two teams, I think they are by far the best equipped team. Far better than Chelsea, far better than Arsenal. I think, well, uh, yeah. Spurs? Man United will finish in the top uh, four. And what about Spurs? Spurs will come third, do you think, or not? No. Oh. Yes, they will. <laughs> Arsenal... Chelsea won't finish in the top one. I want to say Chelsea will, and it depends who they sign in January as well. Another good striker, um, and I, th- I can see them getting four spots. Yes, who's out there? Well, they've talked of Dybala, Higuain. Better than the two they've got. Well, I, I just... There's hardly anything out there. And would they come to Chelsea now during the season? Is Callum Wilson r- rumoured? Yes, there yeah, is. Big yeah. rumours. Big money. Yeah. Well, I'd rather see him than Higuain. Higuain is... You know, England is a different boy. What, what is he, 30-31 now? I'm not sure whether he's a player they need now. They they need some up-and-coming player, maybe give him six months. and, and uh, But there's uh, it really is a problem, isn't it, centre-forwards? So there's another bottle of wine. Manchester United, top four, and I'll say Chelsea. Here we go. Right. Bridgie, <laughs> interesting stat, though. When you think they need a striker, do they need someone to replace Fabregas? A lot of pressure on Jorginho. No, I think they've got Jorginho there. He's He's been marvellous. He's... He's the complete player, bar his pace, um, and he's everything that Sorry wants. He's a ball player. He's the guy that starts the the attack from defence to midfield. So they they they're going to sit there, and if, if he's injured, can he just drops back? Interesting. I heard this morning two thousand passes this season, not one assist yet for Jorginho. I thought that was. I know that's not necessarily his role, but that's not a Who great ratio. Has to count them. Do you know, I, I, I was once um, I was chatting to one of the runners at Sky. And uh, he used to he used to do the possession right, and it was just a guy in a room just pressing the button, going they've got the ball, they've got the ball, and uh, you know he sort of zoned out. And then the commentator, you know Martin Tyler or whatever, went, oh, looking at the first ten minutes of this second half, and Arsenal have had ninety nine percent of the ball, and this guy's got, oh, he just had to even it up for the rest of the game. So anyway, poor man who's had to count all of Jorginho's passes. My, you know, my thoughts are with you. Well, my thoughts are with everyone who has made it to this point of the podcast. We hope you have enjoyed it. <laughs> we certainly have had a great time. Thank you, guys. Diddy, Diddy, Bridgie, Max. Safe travels when you're on your way. Bridgie, you're going on a bit of a break as well, so your hat-trick will end there. We'll have to find a suitable replacement for you next week. Won't be hard. But to everyone else, until the next episode of The Gagan Pod, as always, enjoy your football. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.